Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News. Travis Ryer, senior analyst at BamaOnline.com with you as well. The Talking Tide podcast available to you wherever you like to get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Facebook, and YouTube Live, and both of those online locales. The Talking Tide uh, podcast sponsored by Peterbrook Chocolatier and DraftKings. We uh, look ahead with our Sugar Bowl preview in this episode, and as well, uh, we'll talk a little bit about the uh, freshly finished SEC opener for the Alabama basketball team. But Travis, first, uh, taking a look at this Alabama-Kansas State Sugar Bowl matchup. I'm coming to you live from the upper reaches of Sheridan uh, on Canal Street. Been here a couple days uh, with the rest of the T-News crew. The team is staying right across the street, right across Canal at that big Marriott. And uh, it's uh, uh, it's an interesting day, Travis, uh, with Bill O'Brien, by the way, taking his uh, seat at the podium for the first time since August. And, of course, uh, one of the very first questions was about his future. He uh, swatted it away like a uh, like a fly, pretty much, like you like you pretty much expect. Uh, but Bill O'Brien's future certainly among the storylines here as we look ahead of this game. No doubt about it. Been rumbled about for a while. There have been reports of late linking Bill O'Brien with the potential return to the New England Patriots and working with Bill Belichick. Uh, Mac Jones probably be okay with that at this point, given that situation throughout the 2022 season for the Pats. But I think once we get through this game, obviously Charles Kelly is going to be moving on to the CU Buffaloes, working for Coach Prime out there in the Pac-12. But it'll be interesting. Uh, one of the lingering storylines will be this coaching staff and exactly how much movement we'll see. Uh, nuts and bolts football, Travis. Uh, a couple of practice viewings down here in the Caesars Superdome. Quite a handful of early enrollers around to help out with practice. Uh, but uh, this, this matchup with Kansas State, uh, I think, is a, a, an interesting one. And defensively for Alabama, certainly uh, getting their arms around Deuce Vaughn is going to be a big part of this. Uh, they can throw the ball, too, um, you know, with Will Howard or, or whoever they've got in there at quarterback. But, but Vaughn's the key to it. I don't think there's any doubt about that. This is a guy, when you look at him, 5'7", about 180 pounds, Chase, and uh, you think just perimeter oriented and he's very effective out there on the outside zone runs and working the edges. And we know Alabama struggled with that mightily. It's last time out against Auburn on the defensive side, but this is a guy that can hurt you. He's a determined runner. He can also flex out into the slot. And when they do do that with him, uh, it's not just for grins. This is a guy that they'll dial up on some legitimate receiver routes. So you can't just view him as window dressing when he's not lined up in the backfield. Just a really good all-around football player, a lot of fun to watch. And you know, I think you also have to consider the possibility of Adrian Martinez being back in this mix. Although Will Howard is expected to play the majority of the game behind center for K-State, if you're the Wildcats and that offensive brain trust, Chase, and you know the kind of issues that a mobile athletic quarterback can give a defense like Alabama's. I would think we see Martinez in the game as well. So it, it's not a situation where uh, with Howard in there, Alabama can focus entirely on just the running back position because 
K-State with Martinez, depending on his availability. That could be a, a part of the game plan that Alabama has to consider. And then jet sweeps, man, are a big part of what uh, K-State does on the ground. Malik Knowles is a wide receiver, but he's been really effective on those too. You know, and, and one common thread, I think, among several of the things he just touched on is that this is a big game for Brian Branch uh, at the star spot for, for Alabama. Uh, you would assume that there at least be a few matchups of Vaughn in the slot and Branch. And like you said, Vaughn can, can test Branch even at his size uh, with, uh, you know, with some, with some route running. Uh, a lot of eyes scouting wise on Vaughn, on uh, Branch as well. Uh, we'll, we'll be watching that matchup for sure. But, you know, the star uh, usually ends up playing uh, somewhat of a, a significant role and stopping quarterback runs as well. And uh, like you said, that's that's something that can hurt Alabama uh, here and there. Uh, Hendon Hooker gave Alabama a few problems with his feet, not a ton. Jaden Daniels certainly was more of a problem on the ground uh, against the Crimson Tide defense. But uh, Brian Branch is going to play a big role in this one. How about somebody on the perimeter, whether it's a corner, whether it's Brian Branch, whether it's an outside linebacker, a defensive end, how about somebody set an edge in this game? Because there's nothing that K-State saw in that performance against Auburn that is going to discourage it from getting away from a lot of its bread and butter, right. which is outside zone, jet sweeps. You know, K-State's going to look to challenge that from the get-go on mm. Saturday morning. So, uh, Alabama better show up, even with Will Anderson playing in the game, Dallas Turner around. I'll be interested to see if Alabama goes with more big nickel against this K-State rushing attack, especially on early downs. Maybe they go with a true defensive end opposite Will Anderson. K-State, there's a silver lining for Alabama. K-State, from what I've seen, not a big tempo team. So Alabama should be able to substitute the personnel that it wants on the field rather freely. So whether it's first down, whether it's the cheetah package, which uh, hasn't exactly lit it up like some of us anticipated it might, depending on down and distance, Alabama should be able to get the people it wants on the field. In other words, it shouldn't have many excuses on Saturday. How about the offensive side of the ball? Let's touch on that a little bit, Travis, for Alabama going against this Kansas State defense. Uh, as we know, J.B. and Cohen has moved on as a transfer portal guy. So Tyler Booker uh, is going to command a starting role right out of the gate. Uh, that, that'll be certainly something uh, interesting to watch. You would expect Alabama's running backs to have plenty of spring in their steps with the time off that they've had. Um, I, I think the wide receiver rotation will be pretty interesting as well. No, no JoJo Earl. No Trayshawn Holden. I think, as you noted, a, a podcast or two ago, uh, Holden's snaps had already been diminished um, toward the end of the season. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, the, the guard spot and, and how they bring in receivers, the fourth receiver, the fifth receiver, et cetera, that'll be something to watch. It will, and there's been pretty much a youth movement, although of the departures that Alabama has had via the transfer portal, only Holden was the guy with more than two years in the program. You know, the other three guys had one year or two years. It's just, you know, with the freedom of movement now for transfers, it's it's amazing how quick guys are getting on with things 
from that perspective. But yeah, I mean, whether it's uh, Isaiah Bond, whether it's Kobe Prentice, Kendrick Law is a guy we've seen more of later in the season. I think Law and Bond had a combined six catches against Auburn the last time we saw this Alabama offense. So I would expect to see those guys involved uh, in this one. But it starts still with Ja'Cory Brooks, who has really come on over the second half of the season. Jermaine Burton has shown some really positive signs in the last two or three games. Uh, I would guess it might be Bond uh, that gets the start in the slot, although we could see Alabama with more of the two-back stuff, with Jameer Gibbs and Jace McClellan in the backfield together. And so, you know, there are some things to sort out there from the receiving core perspective. You know, these guys need to make this K-State secondary pay. K-State's down a couple of starting safeties. Um, you know, they've got a 6'4 corner that's an impressive guy in Julius Brents. Um, they've got another corner that has played a lot of football for K-State throughout the year. So uh, they use this 3-3-5 defense, Chase. And so they're used to playing with nickel on the field. Uh, mm. which makes me wonder if Alabama might not go again with more two backs or even more two tight ends uh, and look to to get downhill in the run game early. Yeah, and as you noted, if they're short at the safety spot, you wonder how Alabama tries to exploit that. You really don't see Alabama run a lot of true post routes, but they do run the deep cross, right? You, you, uh, maybe Cameron Latou is a little bit more active in this game if they're trying to exploit uh, the, the safety position as well. So in the passing game for Bryce Young, uh, if, if, if they want to check on the hood, as you like to say, uh, on the safety replacements, that's a couple ways they could do it. Yeah, it is. Um, and TCU had some opportunities in the middle of the field and kind of working the, the, the split safeties right in the middle of the field that Max Duggan uh, wasn't able to hit on, actually. So um, we'll see how that goes. I will say this. I don't think K-State is going to have any problem manning up Alabama's wide receivers on the outside simply because I think they feel like they can do it. You know, both of their starting corners have 26 career starts to their credit. So, you know, these are corners with some serious miles uh, that, that they put in there uh, for K-State. So, and look, it's an Alabama receiving core that at times has had trouble getting separation and Brooks has done some nice things again over the second half of the season. Burton has come on of late. Um, but this isn't Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs and Devontae Smith that we're talking about. So as crazy as this might sound with Bryce Young at the quarterback position, I think first and foremost, K-State's going to say, you're not just going to line up and beat us with Jameer Gibbs and Jason McClellan running the football um, you know, we're going to make you do it with, hopefully, from their perspective, Bryce Young throwing it 40, 45 plus times. Yeah, Alabama with the with the struggles at wide receiver, the drops they've been through this season as well. That that's been a problem at times for sure, and just getting open has uh, has been that struggle. And and you know, when I got the mic with O'Brien. This afternoon, I asked him if the he miss he either misinterpreted my question or he got my question and just wanted to answer a different question. Sometimes that happens too, Travis. But uh, you know, I asked him if, the, if he felt like yeah, if the offense uh, had 
relied too heavily on Young's ability uh, to scramble. And what I meant was scramble and throw, right? Extend pass plays and, and play the scramble drill after he'd broken off the, uh, the play design. And uh, <laughs> O'Brien um, answered as if I was asking about Young's ability to take off and pick up rushing yards, which, of course, he doesn't like to do. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess that might have been a clever dodge, Travis. <laughs> well, I, I will say this on a positive note for this Alabama offense. I think we saw against Auburn more of what it's capable of doing. Jameer Gibbs certainly looked healthier and rejuvenated, right, in that game. Some of the same for Jace McClellan. Bryce, I thought, looked much more like the Bryce we saw pre-shoulder injury against Arkansas. So when you factor in the time off they've had between games, just from an energy juice health perspective, this should be as good as Alabama's been since the early stages of the season. So, um, you know, I think K-State, again, matches up pretty well. Um, You know, they've got an elite edge pass rusher. So if they are able to make Alabama become more one-dimensional, uh, I think they're going to like their chances of, of being able to to get after Bryce pretty good. He's a guy that can extend plays, but uh, K-State does a nice job with their twists and their games inside. And uh, while they don't have four and five stars throughout their front seven, they have veteran guys that have time in that system uh, and they're willing to help one another make plays. You know, they don't have hero guys. When I watch K-State, I don't see a lot of hero ball. I see a lot of continuity and a lot of cohesion that has gone a long way in helping them win 10 games this season. Yeah, but probably ought to touch briefly too, Travis, on the situation at that Will linebacker spot for Alabama and this one, Jalen Moody in a sling at practice at the Caesar Superdome. Uh, Obviously, he's presumably out. Uh, You don't get out of a sling in a couple days usually to to jump on the field. Uh, Deontay Lawson also um, hampered. So, uh, you know, you wonder, and Jihad Campbell's been been seeing some action in in track. You wonder what that'll look like. And and just as Alabama may try to exploit the safety situation with Kansas State's defense, might Kansas State's offense – uh, try to test what Al- what Alabama brings at that position. Yeah, we saw Sean Murphy for a minute against Auburn when Henry Toa Toa went out with the busted bridge of his nose. It was it was a cameo, but uh, you know, based on the practice reports from you and uh, and others, it, it does sound like Alabama. Who knows? Could be down to what? It's fourth inside linebacker in this game if Moody can't go if. Uh, Lawson is either out or limited. Uh, that would be a heck of a situation for Jihad Campbell or anyone else to step into because uh, you're talking about dealing with primarily guys like Deuce Vaughn in the run game. And also, K-State gives you a lot of pre-snap eye candy and post-snap stuff. You know, they'll run that jet sweep action, get you looking at that, and then counter the other way with Deuce Vaughn. And Malik Knowles is such an explosive player when he's involved in the jet sweep game. You have to respect it. So you kind of get outflanked or outnumbered one way or the other. So that could be a tough spot for an inexperienced 
uh, inside linebacker. It's been tough enough for Alabama's experienced guys to deal with at times this season. So definitely something to keep an eye on when this game gets going on Saturday. What about that six and a half point number from the Vegas man in this one, Travis? It was uh, it was a three point spread before Young and Anderson made their decisions to go ahead and play. I frankly, I thought it would get up over a touchdown once those announcements were made, but uh, I guess those two were worth three and a half according to the according to the, the men in base. Yeah, I think that you know there's still some some trust issues, not only with this team in relation to some previous Sugar Bowl failures that it's had in non right. sort of college football playoff settings or uh, BCS settings down in New Orleans, but you know, just the way that it hasn't achieved to expectations throughout the season. Yeah, we talk about the the two losses, the close losses to top 10 teams uh, on the road. But really, throughout the season, this team has never reached its full potential. Now, that maybe that'll change on Saturday. And maybe that energy that we, we felt from those decisions by Bryce Young and Will Anderson to play? Will travel? Will it travel down to New Orleans and carry over into the game? And it'll be more like what we've seen from Alabama and Orlando in this type of situation than maybe New Orleans in the past. But um, I also don't want to discount, again, a very veteran, a very hungry, a very capable Kansas State team. And again, a team that isn't reliant upon marquee players to carry it. Uh, it is very much a team uh, effort with K-State. It's really impressive to watch. And so um, I, I don't have a lot of trust in Alabama laying the six, six and a half, whatever it is. I I think I'm going into this one expecting a four-quarter game um, that maybe it comes down to the best player on the field or best players on the field ultimately making the difference in. But I don't know about you. I I just have trust issues with this Alabama team. It really doesn't have anything to do with the Sugar Bowls of the past or anything like that. I just – I don't really trust this team. How can you when they played so many games that came down to the bitter, bitter end? I, you know, I think they had four games that came, come down to the last play. Had another – you know, Ole Miss came down to the last drive. That Texas very nearly came down to the last you play. Know, yeah. A&M, LSU, Texas. Tennessee, Texas – uh, so, so yeah, I, I, six and a half is uncomfortable for me as well. I do expect Alabama to win the game. I think it will be a tight one. All right, here on the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network, the Twitter feed, Talking underscore Tide. We're going to thank uh, a couple sponsors uh, really quickly. We're going to start uh, by telling you about the corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings. If you're uh, looking to put some money down on the NFL, the go-to is the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Travis, uh, our Jacksonville Jaguars in the throes of an FC, AFC South uh, championship hunt. Big game with the Titans uh, that's uh, going to determine that one at the end of the season. So uh, uh, a lot of fun, a lot uh, of wagering to get into. Right now, customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Also, check out uh, those same game parlays and combine multiple bets uh, as well. Player props, point totals, and more. 
Download that DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do only at the DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Got to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. What a tremendous run through the holiday season for Peterbrook Chocolatier on behalf of Heather and the rest of her staff there at Peterbrook. A big thank you for every one of you who made that possible. It doesn't end with Christmas, though. You got the New Year's holiday coming up. I mean, if you're going to watch all this football between college bowl games, the college football playoff, NFL action, you got to have your treat. You got to have your treat sort of reservoir there nearby. And you can get that handled at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. All right, Talking Tide podcast is going to move on now talk a little bit about Alabama basketball's SEC opener. It was on the road. It was Tuesday night, and uh, they end up taking care of business, Travis, against uh, the Mississippi State Bulldogs in Starkville, 78-67, to the final score. Definitely not a game uh, uh, of offensive flair early, Travis. Ten minutes into this game, Alabama only had eight points. Uh, <laughs> But defensively, Alabama pretty much matched Mississippi State stop for stop early in the game. Could have been way down. Instead, uh, they got halfway through the first half. It was it was 10-8 Mississippi State. And then uh, Mark Sears kind of shook them loose a little bit uh, with some scoring in the first half. And then, of course, uh, Brandon Miller ended up uh, hitting some threes in the second half uh, that were a real dagger in this one. They were. And look, Mississippi State came into the game giving up 52.6 points per game, I believe, third best in all of Division I college basketball when you talk about points allowed per game. So Mississippi State in the first half got the rock fight that it desired, as you said. Certainly for the first 10 minutes or so, you get to the break. Alabama has a 34-30 lead, and State has hit seven threes in the first half. And this is not a great or even a team that really wants to shoot a lot of threes in Mississippi State. But to be in that situation and still be up four after DJ Jeffries hit a prayer right there at the buzzer to send you to the half, still felt pretty good for Alabama. Alabama continued to push the ball in transition. You said it, Mark Sears, very efficient, 20 points on just 11 shots. He went six of six from the free throw line. Um Brandon Miller, absolutely, with some big daggers there in the second half. Tulu Smith for State was going to be the key for the Bulldogs. They run this offense now under new coach Chris Jans through the block. So Tulu Smith came in averaging around 16-9 and a game. He finishes with five points, six rebounds, and 23 minutes of action. Three of 15 from the free throw line for Tulu Smith. So – State ends up shooting twice as many free throws as Alabama. State shot 36 free throws in the game. Alabama shot 18. State made only four more free throws than Alabama in the game, with 18 compared to 14 for Alabama. So, Hackatulu, I guess you could call it. And that's one thing this Alabama team has this year, Chase, between Clowney, um, who went for 12-8, and 
Uh, Nick Pringle off the bench was tremendous, uh, giving them some valuable minutes with 10 and four, uh, whether it's Noah Gurley, whether it's Charles Bediaco. They've got about 20 fouls to give to yeah. a guy like Tulu Smith. And Tulu came in shooting 60% from the line. I got a feeling Alabama may have known that before it made the trip to Starkville. You know, a ton of fouls for Alabama in both halves. They had Mississippi State in a bonus pretty quick on on both ends. And, and you know, I think if this game taught us anything, Travis, it's that if Brandon Miller's not in foul trouble, then the whole team's not in foul trouble. Because he he's the one guy uh, that you don't want in foul trouble at all, ever. But the point is, you can name anybody else on the roster. If they get in foul trouble – no, Oates can find a patch uh, because they're deep enough, I, I think, to uh, survive multiple guys in foul trouble and just and just feed that bench minutes and let them do their thing. Yeah, Nate rolled with Brandon with two there in the first half, and Miller picked up his third. So that was a little dicey there. Um, but he, he managed to play through it there in the second half with 11 points. Uh, with those three big threes after the break. And so uh, they weathered it. And it was a sold-out crowd at the hump. So uh, this is a top 25 team, at least in the, according to the AP rankings. I think they're more top 40-ish uh, in the other metrics uh, that really matter when you talk about Mississippi State. But to go on the road in your SEC opener and go ahead and get a win, you saw really throughout the night it was not easy uh, within the league, Florida, Auburn, close game, Tennessee, Ole Miss in Oxford, close game. Kentucky goes to Missouri and gets shelled in its mm-hmm. SEC opener. So I think the early games uh, gave us a, a little bit more of a an appreciation for going to a place like State and getting the job done. You know, you can also kind of tell, Travis, I think at least in, at this point in the season and maybe when we get to March, it's it's a different scenario. But right now, uh, at the point spot, the trust is in Sears and Bradley yes. and, not, and not so much in Quinterly. I mean, he had, he, he had 11 and minutes. And it should be. Yeah, his minutes have been down lately, really has struggled with turnovers, had four turnovers in 11 minutes against Mississippi State uh, and six points total. But the plus minus was 11, Travis. I think, I, I think, to me, that's kind of played a role in this as well. And, uh, you know, the guy's a phenomenal talent. There's no doubt about it. But, but Bradley is coming into his own um, in, in a couple ways. Really nice, heady play for him, uh, getting the timeout on the loose ball where he was sliding across the floor. Yeah. And, and, and he got on the floor. Up. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's half of that or, or more. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's. He, I refer to him as an old soul when it comes yeah. to basketball sort of instincts. And um, he turns it over. I'm not going to say he didn't. He turned it over four times. He also had seven assists yeah. uh, in the game. But you said it, plus minus. Jaden Bradley was plus 12 in 25 minutes. Sears was plus 17 in 36 minutes with just one turnover in 36 minutes of action for, uh, for Mark Sears. And then you get to Javon. He plays 11 minutes. He's a minus 11 in plus minus. The only player for Alabama that wasn't on the plus side of plus minus in the basketball game was Javon Quinterly, and he was minus 11. So, um, you know, it's not just 
having to justify minutes to the player. In some situations, you're also have to having to justify it to the rest of the team. You know, if, if I keep putting right. the guy out there and I keep putting him out there for extended minutes, I kind of got to answer to the rest of the team and especially guys who aren't getting those kind of minutes or those kind of opportunities. Yeah, especially at 9, 10, and 11 where you got good basketball players yes. who aren't getting much of anything. And now Dom Welch is available. We saw him in the game on Wednesday night. Um, you know, didn't make a shot. He was 0 for 2 from, from 3. He had a couple of rebounds. But you saw some of the defensive ability he brings to the four. And he will make shots in time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you got some mouths to feed. And so it's going to be interesting. I think um, I call it the reality of the rotation. And this is about the time (laughs) of the year that it starts to take hold. And so we'll see. That's I think for coaches like Nate Oates, it's, it's the most challenging aspect of the job, especially when you've got a talented roster like this, how do you justify minutes and how do you maintain morale? in your locker yeah. room and on your bench and um, just from the team dynamic in general. Yeah. I, I touched on that with Oates uh, maybe a week to 10 days ago. I threw a question at him right along those lines, basically balancing the, the goal of, of finding your best five uh, versus, um, you know, getting a deep bench on the floor uh, to keep them engaged uh, and, you know, his answer I thought was pretty interesting. He, he said, look, based, on, I'll give anybody minutes if they earn it based on practice, but I'm also not going to be afraid with a quick hook. And, and if you put somebody out there who gets a little bug-eyed, um, then, then it, it, he's going to call that not ready. Well, and this is a Mississippi State team that loves to get up into you, and they will push you out beyond the three-point line in terms of, of your offense. Yeah. And – Boy, you got to take care of the basketball against these guys. And I think once Quinterly got to about that third or fourth turnover, yeah, he pretty much made the decision for Nate, right? I mean, yeah. you said it. You got Sears that you're feeling better and better about. You got Bradley, likewise. Um, that doesn't mean there's still not a spot or a role for a guy like Javon Quinterly. He's too talented. Uh, mm-hmm. But it starts with taking care of the basketball. And if you're not doing that on a consistent basis, uh, this team has other guys that, that can do it. Yeah. That'll probably wrap it up here for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. Travis, before we go, we've got a, a quick question from our guy, Paul Malone. He wants a stand-up from you. Uh, <laughs> I don't so know he'll do can... a stand-up. Muscle, <laughs> shoals, sound, Paul. He predicted it. So there, there you go. go. So, That's uh, right. Absolutely. Sheffield, Great Alabama. Time. Right. You and I, uh, you and I have yes. both have both done the music studio tours there. I believe mm-hmm. me only once. You perhaps more than one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Got to do time. it, man. If you're ever in the Shoals, all that's great. I mean, it's fame, Muscle Shoals sound. Um, it's outstanding. All right, that's going to do it for the Talking Tide podcast. Be sure to join Travis and I when we reconvene. I guess that'll be for the a regular Sunday night or recapping uh, uh, the Crimson Tides Sugar Bowl matchup against Kansas State, 11 a.m. Central Time uh, on and on Saturday. And with that, 
Uh, we'll let you go. We'll talk to you next time right here on Talking Tide.